What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness, in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Isabel told me she masturbates weird, and she knows it's weird because she's never heard anyone else talk about going about it like she does. And when she has described her method to others, they have seemed genuinely bemused. When I interviewed Isabel for Girl Boner Journal, she described her technique like this. I lay on my right side and place my left palm on my clit. Then I use my hips to grind on my palm, which sort of kneads or massages my clit without moving much. I can't do it the other way around, left side, right hand, and I can't do it on my back. I also can't get off with my fingers. It has to be my palm. Unless, she added, it's during the two or three times a year when she is inconsolably horny, in which case pretty much anything works. For years, Isabel felt too ashamed to talk to anyone about this, not to a friend or a lover, much less someone writing a book. And that shame trickled into her relationships. When someone would attempt to touch her clit in ways others seemed to love, she basically felt nothing. And she was too embarrassed to guide them otherwise. That all changed when she solo played her way to an orgasm so strong, it literally knocked her out for five hours. Then she woke up full of energy that she described as electric optimism. She surged with creativity and wrote a feature article, a really good one, in just a few hours. Realizing her body and mind were capable of all that wonder helped her embrace how she masturbates, weirdness and all. And she told me she felt pretty cool after that. Shame around masturbation is as age old as, well, masturbation, just about. Sometimes that shame centers on technical specifics, like in Isabel's case, Probably more often, it involves engaging in solo play at all. Any guesses where that shame started? If you're thinking the answer is certain religions or a lack of sex ed or the patriarchy, you wouldn't be wrong. They all factor in. But according to historian Thomas LeCur, author of Solitary Sex, A Cultural History of Masturbation, the backstory is a little more layered than that. Here's just some of it. For a long time, masturbation was the butt of jokes and mild concerns about misplaced sexual energy that could have been used to make kids, but otherwise it was kind of no biggie. That all changed when this lengthy document published in the 1700s in London came out called Onania. It was written by a self-taught surgeon and medical huckster. Onania, which I have decided is another word for everybody freak the F out, called masturbation a heinous sin of self-pollution with frightful consequences, and offered advice for people who had already, quote, injured themselves by this abominable practice, end quote. The author argued that masturbation caused everything from epilepsy to gonorrhea. Kind of ironic, right, given that solo sex is literally the safest as far as STIs go. His teachings stimulated a widespread masturbation scare. 
28 editions of Onania were released in multiple languages. It spent 75 years in print, with impact lasting far longer, fueling shame and hypochondria for centuries. Then in the early 1800s, Sylvester Graham, this Presbyterian pastor, tried to convince the masses that a restrictive vegetarian diet could cure people of impure thoughts and behaviors, including, you guessed it, masturbation. Graham said solo sex was especially risky for youth because of their still-developing reproductive organs. I'm sure Graham's preaching didn't stop everyone from masturbating, but he did inspire the creation of Graham Crackers, so if you do give up solo play, at least you have something fun to munch on. That sounded way kinkier than I meant it. Ironically, though, eating more plants and fewer animal products tends to improve sexual health and function. There's even research showing that vegetarians taste better. That did sound as spicy as I meant it. There's a lot more creepiness to this history, but I'm going to jump to the positive now because May is National Masturbation Month. It started out as one day declared by the store Good Vibrations. To celebrate Surgeon General Joycelyn Elders in 1995, after she was fired for suggesting that masturbation be included in sex ed. Okay, we're mostly on the positive now. In sex ed circles, we now celebrate solo play all May long. We are going to party here with an interview I recorded back in 2015. It's with Dr. Martha Tara Lee, a Singapore-based relationship counselor, sexologist, and sexuality educator. At the time, I knew basically nothing about orgasmic yoga, except that it sounded like really spicy renditions of Downward Dog. It's not that at all. Because as Martha's teacher, Joseph Kramer, taught her, changing the way you masturbate could change your whole life. It is actually a suggestion of uh, masturbating for 30 minutes and for a recommended duration of 30 days. So... It's a practice. It doesn't have to be limited to 30 days, but um, he does recommend a minimum of 30 minutes. And a lot of people would immediately say, I can't do it for 30 minutes. Are you crazy? I'll be tired. What if I ejaculate? I can't, uh, you know, I, I can't have multiple orgasms. I don't want to. I can't. I cannot have. Uh, and really, it's uh, not really about the orgasm or the ejaculation. It's about the erotic awakening of our sexual energy. It's the activation of our sexual energy in our bodies. It's less about orgasm. It's more about sensation and pleasure. And if you do anything for a long enough time, it becomes a meditation so there is this line that it does go into when you do something for a long enough time, it becomes quite meditative, uh, just like uh, running and swimming. If you, if, if you start doing it consciously, uh, you, you get into the flow of it. And this is when the mind stops uh, thinking and is much more in the flow of things. And in orgasmic yoga, I refer to it as a very deep practice of self-love and if we take that time each day to just see it as a, a place where we come to meet our bodies and love ourselves then it's a very different experience from people who just masturbate because they feel horny because they need to get off 
because they need to do something and go somewhere with that orgasmic energy. And um, it's really very, very profound because you when when you're just by yourself and you have nowhere to go uh, but to keep going uh, for 30 minutes, you really meet yourself in a very deep way. Your fears, your emotions, your anger, your resentment around masturbation, around sex, around your sexuality really starts to come up. Even the problems, the emotional pains, the hurts and wounds from past relationships, your childhood uh, traumas also all start to come up. So it's a very, very profound practice that has really changed my life. And um, this is why I wrote the book Orgasmic Yoga because I'm so grateful to my teacher that I wanted to put everything that I have learned into that book. Beautiful. I am going to have to read that. How exciting. Now, when you're having these experiences and you are masturbating for 30 minutes, are you actually also doing yoga poses or is it more is the yoga part the mindset? <laughs> yes. So uh, a lot of people, uh, it, it, it is believed that uh, yoga actually came from sex, that uh, the word uh, yoga, if you look into it, means practice. So orgasmic yoga means a practice. Although in orgasmic yoga, we are recommended to warm up our bodies. So we could uh, do the yoga poses. We could uh, shake our bodies to awaken the sexual energy and to move our bodies, come into our bodies. And it is recommended that the last five minutes of the practice of 30 minutes is in stillness. So you're in corpse pose and you allow all the energies and emotions to integrate within yourself and to allow yourself to become whole again, to feel whatever you're feeling. And orgasmic yoga really recommends you being in your body and not in your head. So it doesn't encourage fantasy. And uh, that's another challenge because uh, we become, as a society, so used to being overstimulated to watching uh, porn, to if not fantasizing in our heads so that we can have our pleasures quicker. And uh, we even use um, big, strong, uh, fat uh, sex toys. And uh, sometimes that can overstimulate our very sensitive uh, genitals. Uh, so I'm not against the use of sex toys. I'm, I'm just saying that it shouldn't be habitual and it can really limit our sexual potential and creativity. Yeah, I hear you there. That is so important. And I, I relate too because I noticed that when I got into sex toys, it became, you know, because you orgasm so so quickly that yeah. if you're an impatient person or you are kind of go, 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 and you aren't great at slowing down as is not my tendency, uh, it can be kind of your go-to and you sort of limit your arousal or your ability to have the more sensitive feelings of pleasure throughout your body. And I love that. Yeah. And, and that it's meditative. That's, that is beautiful. I love that you said it really profoundly changed your life. Would you speak to that a bit? Yes, actually, I, when I was doing sexological body work and introduced to orgasmic yoga, we were told to do it for 30 days for the entire program. And if not 30 days, then seven days, if not seven days, then three days. <laughs> Even then, because I am super sensitive in my body, I can have an orgasm in less than five minutes if I wanted to. So I was very resentful of uh, yet another homework that I needed to do. Mm -hmm. So I didn't uh, 
take orgasmic yoga seriously. And it wasn't until I broke up with my second husband and I really didn't feel good. And a friend of my colleague actually reminded me, Martha, you're a sexologist. Do not shut down your sexuality. You are, you are doing such important work. Don't shut down your sexuality because this is not just your work, but this is also a big part of who you are. So I decided to commit to doing orgasmic yoga seriously every day. Uh, she also had recommended that I use a vibrator uh, to insert into my vagina and actually use uh, the penetration to release the pain or trauma uh, out of my vagina. So the times when I had sex when I didn't want to, the times when my partner was rough with me, and was unconscious with me. These are wounds that actually happens uh, within us because our, our erectile tissue is internal for women. And so we actually bear the, the very much the uh, impact of it internally. So I started to do it for 30 days and within the resistance came up uh, the most in the first week. And, you know, we say things like we don't have time for it, but I was committed. I did it. And Within a few days, I would say the first two weeks of orgasmic yoga, everything shifted within me. My energies shifted, my mood lifted. I, I was uh, basically giving myself the feel-good drug of orgasmic pleasure, uh, not necessarily orgasm. And I started to look different. And for a, the first time, I think in a really long time, I, I got strangers staring at me on the streets because I was glowing and I could feel that I was glowing. And after after the first round of orgasmic yoga, I actually did it for one and a half months. And I was so sore because I was doing it every day for 30 minutes with a vibrator. And at some point, I turned the vibrator off and just did the internal penetration. But it was painful. So those people, uh, my clients who say, I can't do this, uh, you know, you can. I have done it when I'm having my period, when I'm bleeding all over the floor, when I have great, great pain in my vagina. I have done it. You just need to do it slowly. And it's more about the subtle energies of pleasure rather than uh, the need to do something and be somewhere. Mm. So it's changed it because I I, I not just look different, I feel different I, or glow. I actually become more beautiful. And I also have this deep, uh, deeper relationship with myself of loving myself. And actually, it was because of the deep love that I have for myself, I stopped some of the toxic behaviors that I was doing of um, needing to go into codependent relationships or needing to feel that I must be in a sexual relationship with someone because that's the only way I can get sex. And um, orgasmic yoga is uh, deeply uh, intimate. And um, so that has really changed the quality of love that I have for myself. Wow, that is so inspiring. I love the therapeutic nature that you talked about and that that it radiates from you and that you glow and that you can find that source of love energy within yourself and you know, and then carry that on and inspire other people, help your clients. And I'm sure so many people are are benefiting greatly. So when you do this practice for you said you did it for thirty days or or more at a time, do you then like for you now, do you practice it? occasionally now or is it just kind of a program that you do in chunks yeah i do it in chunks when i feel inspired or when i make a commitment so i've started to run workshops 
in a series of eight weeks or six weeks for men and women. And uh, as part of that program, I, I teach them and I ask them, invite them to do orgasmic yoga. And so I do it alongside them. Whenever I do one round of orgasmic yoga, I am putting it on a closed Facebook group that I started as part of my uh, book called Orgasmic Yoga, the book. And I document my journey inside it. I have also done videos documenting my uh, previous round of orgasmic yoga. I think it was the third round. I think I'm in my fourth or fifth round now. So I do do them in chunks and I'm going to do it again on uh, starting from May 22nd as part of Masturbation Month. And uh, people can uh, find out more about it by going to Orgasmic Yoga, the book. I love that. When you say that you document it, are you, you know, do you practice it and then speak about it? Or are you actually like filming yourself doing this? Yes. So in the previous round, I filmed it and it, it was a lot of work. I uh, also had a lot of you know, complexities with the editing, putting it together and stuff like that. So what I do instead is I write about it. And I, I find that I'm uh, beginning in my post, I don't just write about how I did orgasmic yoga that day. I write about what I'm thinking, what, what happened that day, and how my day is changing because of orgasmic yoga. So every time I'm doing orgasmic yoga now, I notice that I have a lot more energy. I have more creativity, more productivity, more positivity, more abundance flowing into my life each time I do it. And uh, it really is not sustainable. 30 minutes a day for a lot of people. That's why it's, for me, it has worked better to do it in chunks. Also, it can be painful uh, if you are, you know, doing uh, vaginal penetration all the time. And so uh, doing it in different ways will get different results. However, that's uh, less, uh, uh, I would say, uh, maybe stressful on the body by doing it in subtle ways like clitoral stimulation or playing with your nipples or giving your whole body an oil massage. So these are all different variations of how you can do orgasmic yoga. I love that. I'm glad you brought up the nipple sensation because one of the most popular masturbation tips that I've shared on the Girl Boner blog is about nipple gasms, which, you know, basically having an orgasm through nipple stimulation. And there's a lot of research that shows that the nipples, when you are stimulating or they are being stimulated, that lights up the brain much like genital stimulation. And I participated yeah. in uh, orgasm MRI research where I masturbated in an MRI machine. And I keep awesome. thinking of it. Yeah, it was, a, it was such a wonderful experience. And as you were speaking about orgasmic yoga, I was thinking so much about that because, as you said, orgasm not being the goal. I've heard a lot of people have said to me, you know, how could you, you know, climax in a machine like that? And really... The reason, first of all, I wasn't feeling pressured to climax. That's one thing, which, as you said, it doesn't. The orgasm doesn't mean to be the goal. But the scientists told me whether you do or do not come, that's helpful for us. And then relaxing, and I actually found the buzz of the machine, and and they led me through these exercises with like verbal prompts where they'd show words on a screen. And one of the things was thinking about your nipples being stimulated, and then was mm -hmm. one was touching your nipple, and even all genders 
are really, really stimulated by that. So that's I think that's a great masturbation tip, whether you use it within the yoga practice or, you know, within just uh, your sexual activity with a partner or, or masturbating or, or whatnot. About 10% of the population can have a nipplegasm. And um, it is also believed in Tao, T-A-O, that if you massage your breasts and your nipples, you are be, you are essentially allowing your body to have hormonal balance. It is uh, highly recommended for menopausal women. And uh, there is a direct link between your breasts and uh, your womb. And so there are lots of benefits to it as well. Interesting. I love that. That is so fascinating. So aside from orgasmic yoga, which... I think it's just fascinating. I hope that everybody out there considers it at some point. I'm going to consider doing it. I've been thinking so much as you're speaking about how beneficial this could be in so many practical ways. What are some of the ways that we can celebrate masturbation in our lives in addition besides the orgasmic yoga? Um, Just doing it in different ways. I think we are habitual masturbators. We... Yes, we we feel horny and then we do it. Uh, often when the mood strikes or when there's actually a real reason to do it, and we do it the same way because it works. Why would we want to change something? It it works, and we become habitual masturbators and we get stuck in pattern. And if we shake things up, we actually lighting up our all our brain and developing new neural pathways. What this means is we actually become a lot more adaptable and flexible. And when we are more sexual by ourselves, we can actually become a lot more creative and adaptable with our partners in turn. So by helping ourselves, we literally helping ourselves, uh, then we can actually um, have better sex lives when partnered. Mm, so uh, yeah. yeah so doing it in different ways so if you always do it lying down do it standing if you stand do it sitting uh you can do it in front of a mirror you can use your left hand instead of your right hand you can uh, use a fabric a feather on your parts you can use the vibrator throughout your whole body as a form of ma- massager you could uh, do some yoga poses before masturbation you could put on some music and if you are a quiet masturbator, you could give yourself permission to make a sound and uh, gradually work towards giving yourself permission to make more noises because um, these are the seven ways in which we can have stronger, longer, more consistent and bigger orgasms. Uh, first one is kegels, our pelvic floor squeezes. Then there's breath. The way we breathe can actually move energy in our bodies. Then there's sound. There's a movement. Then touch. Uh, intention so even the intention of moving energy from your genitals to your heart uh, helps uh, just like in uh, law of attraction and then there's uh, uh, fantasy so fantasy is uh, also one of the tools however uh, as I mentioned in orgasmic yoga we don't recommend fantasy uh, because we really want people to be fully in their bodies so these are the seven tools in which people can change the way they masturbate and uh, Joseph Kramer was the one who actually said it. And I truly believe it because I really took orgasmic yoga on board to change my life. And it did. So he's, he quotes, this is his quote, uh, change the way you masturbate and you change your life. Oh, I love that. That's so powerful. I definitely believe that. How important is it, do you think, to 
not focus on orgasm. I think that it is so common and a natural kind of tendency because we want that release. Like we want to feel all the euphoria and all of that. What do you think about masturbating without climaxing? I think it's great. We get so caught up with goals. And if we are a very goal-oriented person, task-oriented, uh, maybe we might be very much in our masculine as women. And sometimes just giving our, ourselves permission not to do this can really reframe in our heads that actually um, slow and subtle is also beautiful. And uh, that can that can really directly change our lives and our outlook to life. Uh, for the Chinese, we have this saying, you know, we rest so that we can continue in our long journey. And we sometimes forget the subtleness of uh, that is available to us. So for people who, who uh, are focused on orgasms, I would say uh, it's not that you cannot. It's not that we're saying it's bad. We're just saying that if you can have an orgasm every single time you masturbate, then why not have experiences in which you choose not to? I and love it's, that. It's, it's about choice, really. Yeah, I love that. And what you said about being goal-oriented, I think that if you get caught up in that mindset, it can put a lot of pressure on you during sexual activity, whether it's alone or with a partner. So you'll have a lot mm -hmm. more pleasure. And also feeling the pleasure through your whole body, you know, that, that it isn't only about one explosive release. It's about feeling, like you said, and, and sending, I love that, sending the energy to your heart. That's that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah and and uh, people who are looking for that uh, explosive release, the quick uh, fix, uh, what happens is when you actually warm up your whole body, you actually are more likely to have a full body orgasm. And that orgasm is uh, going to be bigger anyway. So what you're essentially doing is you are expanding your container. Your body is like this container of orgasmic energy. If you take more time to warm it up, it's just better. It's just like eating fast food and uh, gourmet food. It's, it's uh, both food, both fill you up, but the, the, the essence of it is different. And um, uh, once you've done it, you realize that you have choice and you can choose to continue going for what you usually do. But there's, a, there's now a choice that you can choose to have a different experience for that session. Learn more about Dr. Martha Tara Lee at the link down in the show notes, where you can also click to join her private Facebook group, Oh Yoga. This week's listener question came to me through Instagram from someone who wrote this. This has been a thing for me for years. From the moment I started masturbating, I either watched porn or thought of some female friends. I look at photos of them that I know. The latter might sound weird, but I really do it. The funny thing is, whenever I have a particular crush on someone, I always don't have the urge to think of her while masturbating. It's kind of ironic that I really like that person, yet I masturbate to thoughts or images of other women. I guess I just really like and respect her that much. What do you think? Is it morally wrong to think of the person you like in a sexual way? I already told this person that no, I don't think it's unethical at all. I did want to ask Dr. Megan Fleming for her thoughts. Here is what she had to say. Anonymous, thank you so much for your question. And let me just assure you, not only is it not weird, it's actually not uncommon that some people have what I would refer to in psychotherapists in general as an erotic conflict or an erotic split. And by that, I mean 
when you sort of ask the question, is it morally wrong to think of the person you like in a sexual way? You know, sort of the resounding answer is no. In fact, for most of us, it is when we love someone, we're attracted to them, that there's that chemistry and there's the uh, feeling of love, respect, but also eroticism, right? We That someone can be both turned on by and eroticize and have fun and play with somebody that they love and have a deep and intimate, not that this is always true, but that, that deep, intimate connections and eroticism can exist together. That for those who are an erotic split, they have a hard time and or find it almost sometimes even impossible to eroticize both either the familiar or the sort of the one they have the most attraction to, the one that they feel the most connected to, the most intimacy. You know, this goes back to sort of the time of Freud, and he would sort of refer to it as the Madonna whore conflict and or complex. And that really sort of says that, you know, Madonna is the virgin Madonna, sort of the prototype of the ideal, moralistic, respected woman um, and all that purity as the whore. So the whore being the one who enjoys sex and that, in a sense, is debased such that there's the freedom to, you know, eroticize and play and do whatever, right, whatever the turn-ons are uh, that someone in general may otherwise be in conflict with. And so in your case, it sounds like it's happening in the context of masturbation. So when and if, you know, the person you're having a crush on or you're attracted to isn't the person that you masturbate to or doesn't erotically turn you on for your own pleasure, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But when and if you are in conflict and find it challenging, if difficult, if not impossible, to feel erotic feelings, to feel desire for someone that you're in an intimate relationship with, that is your intimate partner, then that is where sort of this erotic conflict is something that I would absolutely recommend seeing a qualified sex therapist for. Um, And the organization I always recommend to find that therapist is ASECT, which is the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. So that's AASECT.org. And by state, they tell you who sort of is qualified and trained to deal with sexual issues, both as counselors, therapists, and educators. So going back, when and if this is not something that's happening in terms of your relationship and it's only happening in terms of it's not your fantasy for self-pleasuring, again, just want to normalize that for you. That is not in any way problematic. It's only problematic when and if you're finding it difficult to have erotic feelings and basically feel love and intimacy alongside the adventure and the eroticism. Again, going back to Freud, you know, who back then we would be talking about men. And since you're anonymous, I'm not sure if you're a man and or a woman. But the idea in this complex is that men men love, that men who love have no desire. And where there is desire, they cannot love. So when and if that may be part of your challenge, all I can say is I highly recommend finding a qualified therapist to work with to help you unpack this. Because there's so much cultural um, shame around sexuality and women enjoying their sexuality and men enjoying women who enjoy their sexuality and knowing that, you know, the woman who, in a sense, this is going back to the Madonna Horpies, the woman who kisses you and kisses your children and the you know, in the case that you had children, the idea, though, is that those same lips, right, can give you pleasure and um, do, you know, 
anything, you know, when it comes to eroticism, it's only limited by your imagination. And that there's nothing about that in terms of what's a turn on for you and or her that it in any way is shameful, derogatory, not respectful, because it's an enjoyed consensual act. So as always, would love to hear how it goes. Thanks so much, Dr. Megan. I find the whole idea of erotic conflicts fascinating, and I really loved what she shared about if or when fantasies about someone might pose problems. And that whole Madonna whore complex she mentioned ties into something else in this question, I think. Not having the urge to fantasize about someone you have a crush on because you respect or like her so much. I think it's still pretty easy to think of quote-unquote purity as this attribute, especially when it comes to women and femmes, who in reality, of course, aren't less sexual than anyone else. Then again, I also think it's sweet to want to get to know a person and see what potential there is for more than friendship before bringing them into your fantasy or solo play life. Maybe that feels like crossing a line to you and that's what you meant about respect. Regardless, I so appreciate the thought-provoking question Sign up for Dr. Megan's free pleasure challenge at the link down in the show notes. It's a great way to explore some solo play adventures and all different kinds of pleasure. It's really, really fun. And if you have a question you'd like explored, please hit us up at girlboner.org. For more solo play fun, shop for awesome toys and other pleasure products at thepleasurechest.com. In honor of Masturbation May, get 15% off your order with the promo code Pleasure me, no space there, pleasure me. You'll also get free shipping for orders over $75. Some exclusions apply and processing may take a few days. Over on their Instagram, which is uh, at Pleasure Chest Stores, you can click to donate to their Sex Educator Relief Fund, which is so important. And to support the show, I hope you'll leave us a rating and review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. Girl Boner Radio is owned, operated, and executively produced by me, August McLaughlin, with technical producer and audio extraordinaire, Mackenzie Mazel, as part of the Period Podcast Network, an affiliate of Starburns Industries. Learn more about the Girl Boner podcast brand movement and book series at girlboner.org and more about Period at periodnetwork.com.